1: You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Skylight Books Crowdcast channel. We are so excited that you're here tonight to celebrate the release of the Moon book. We've been waiting for this, um, and it's finally here. So, uh, my name is Hallie, I'm a bookseller at Skylight Books in Los Angeles. Um, For those of you who don't know, we are a general bookstore serving the historic Los Angeles neighborhoods of Hollywood, Los Villas, Silver Lake, Echo Park, and downtown. We are open for browsing at limited capacity with a mask on, um, 11 to 7 on weekdays and 10 to 8 on weekends. So if you are in Los Angeles, come by and say hi, buy a book, buy the moon book. just, you know, come in and browse. Um, you can order a copy of the Moon Book from us directly from this page below my face um, where it says order event books. You can also participate in the chat um, and you can ask questions for the author throughout the event in the ask a question function um, also at the bottom of the screen. So, yeah, without further ado, Sarah Faith. Godestiner is an artist, teacher, business owner and psychic tarot reader. She has written, edited and distributed ten books about the moon. Her podcast is called Moonbeaming and her business is called Modern Women. She lives in Los Angeles with her sweetheart and two rescue dogs who are very cute. I can say I saw them. (laughs) Um, She's queer. Pam Grossman is a writer, curator and teacher of magical practice and history. She is the host of the Witch Wave podcast and has been called the Terry Gross of Witches, which combines just a lot of great things. And the author of Waking the Witch Reflections on Women, Magic, and Power, and What is a Witch? Please join me in welcoming Pam and Sarah onto the stage. Yay!
0: Hello. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Pam, it's so great to see you tonight. It's so great to see you. I am just thrilled that we get to do this together. I wish it was in person, but this is certainly the next best thing. Congratulations, first of all, on this gorgeous, glorious, luminous, brilliant book. I am a huge fan, and I am so thrilled that I get to talk to you all about it this evening. The first question I had for you, I thought I would actually have you answer in your own words because you write about this so beautifully in this book. And the question is, why the moon? Why write a book on the moon? So Sarah, would you please do us the honor of reading a little bit from the beginning of the moon book?
3: Yes, I shall do so i think as i'm switching over here i um i just before i begin i want to thank everyone who's here if you want to write in where you're coming from that's always really cool to see uh i want to thank i want to thank pam i want to thank skylight i want to thank everyone who's supported my work for the past five plus years. I know there's a lot of you here and you're the only reason why like this is here. So I just wanted to give a big heartfelt welcome and a big hello. And um, I'm seeing I'm a little sweaty because literally five minutes and I was wearing a mask because I five minutes before this started my puppy escaped and I was like running around my neighborhood. it's been an eventful new moon solar eclipse if you also want to say um, how you're feeling if anything's come up for you today around the solar eclipse uh, that's always really interesting I've had a lot of truth bombs come up so as I start to read feel free to uh, chat in the chat why the moon because she's the world's celestial anchor her gravity stabilizes earth on its axis She's both predictable and wild, because she's got a rhythm all her own that mirrors the seasons. We find our own rhythms when we look to her as a guide, because we can feel her inside of us, coaxing us to connect, forcing us to remember. The earliest people obeyed her orbit and that lineage is still within us. It mirrors our own rhythms and cycles, our energy and our emotions, These observations remind us of our humanity and our true nature. Because she represents our interior, the unseen, our receptivity, our psychic abilities, the power of our water, the vitality of our love, the entirety of our complexities that can't be packaged or sold. Because La Luna lights up the night, illuminates the darkness of the subconscious where the deep mind lives. In astrology, psychology, and some magical traditions, the moon represents the subconscious. The subconscious is a source of our yearning and fear. It is where the stories and motivations behind our conscious behavior reveal themselves. When we decide to program our subconscious, we change our beliefs. When we change our beliefs, our behavior changes. When our behavior changes, our life changes. Because Moonwork helps us tap into our deepest desires and aids us in reflection and release around them. She is a tool to help us discover our unique truths and our specific needs. She helps us connect to and unleash all unique wisdom we possess. Once upon a time, This planet lived by the moon. Our calendars were lunar. We planted by the moon, made decisions in harmony with the seasons and the constellations. Over time, through war, violence, and colonization, the shadow solar life, productive, binary, externally focused, competitive, came to dominate. Industrialization removed many humans from nature. Lunar life receded. Instead of placing value in our intuition, in the unknown, in cycles and mysteries, we deemed them scary and thus non-existent. What one could not explain, one could not control. What could not be controlled was demonized, exploited, extracted, locked up, killed. Indigenous people, black people, queer people, trans people, the feminine, the wild woman, the witch. But she's back, that bitch, that witch, she's back. The season of the witch ascends again, and the moon has always been our emblem. Since Hathor's crown, since Sappho's lyrics, since the first stone temples were built to worship Hecate's sorcery. Witch on broom, flying across a full moon. Cauldron in a clearing, night shadows dancing, potion charged for healing. Because she is here to remind us that everything sacred returns. That's because it never left. Because we are here now to dismantle white supremacist patriarchy, and we must do so together with our mindset, our conversations, our actions, and our collaborations. A new wave of soft power change and magic is brought forth. For all people who know and long for a different way, forged of compassion, anyone who has felt other punished, policed, or anyone who has been abused or marginalized for simply being who they are, The moon is a love letter to our wildness. It's a reminder of our resilience and the face of subjugation. It's a promise to recognize the power inherent in the collective feminine, our soft power, power with, power within, not power over. Developing and defining our own magic is feminist art. Tapping into our personal power and channeling it for the betterment of all is feminist art. Helping others work with their own gifts, supporting one another, reflecting another's beauty back to them Mm -hmm. is feminist art. The moon reflects and transforms sunlight. We reflect Mm -hmm. ourselves back to one another and we hold collective transformation.
0: Ah, so beautiful. Sarah, I mean, One of the things that I love so much about this book is that it is written so lyrically and there is just such poetry to the words that you're threading together for us. And I love about this book that, yes, there's a lot of practical ritual and exercises and spells that people can do, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But it also feels like such an ode. It feels like such a love letter to this luminous orb that's in the sky. So when did you first fall in love with the moon? And why was it important that you write with such a like swooning poetic kind of, kind of ear?
3: Well, I think we're probably all a little bit in love with the moon, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly not the only one. There's paintings and poems and all kinds of things. You know, for me, honestly, so much of my practice as a witch has been so interlaced with a lunar practice. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of like the greatest love of all. It's like, how do you put, we keep trying to honor what we love and we do it in love songs and we do it in paintings and we do it in books and we do it in dance choreographies and you know in conversations and it's one thing that i think is so beautiful about trying to honor what we love is it's this gift that keeps giving and it reminds us like of our own vitality and Mm -hmm. of our own life and One thing that I'm in love with about the moon is that because the moon is always changing, it's this reminder that we are always changing and to remain stagnant is not the point of why we are here. So yeah, I mean, I wrote, I've written many books about the moon and it's sort of like, I can't really, how do you repay a priceless gift? I don't know you just sort of try to move that loving energy around more i guess
0: Mm -hmm. what what do you think goodness i mean i know for myself like i really fell in love with the moon hardcore as a teenager and i'm wondering when like do you have a memory do you have a moment of being a younger person when you were like oh this is this is serious. This is true love. Yeah. I mean, I definitely
3: have had that experience that I'm sure many folks here have had where the the moon is like you're in the car and you're in the back seat maybe of your parents car and the moon is like following you and you're like, "Whoa, oh, this this wild weird thing almost appears to be alive." <laughs> and then the other thing that I think is like so cool about the moon is it reminds us that we're part of the cosmos. Like, yes, we have the stars. Yes, we can see other planets. Yes, there is the sun. But for me, it's this like tripped out experience of reminding myself that we are on this spinning rock, you know, in this incredible solar system that we know so little about and is so magical and mysterious. For me, like also as a witch, you know, it wasn't until I started working with the moon holistically and um, on all various kinds of levels that my magical practice and results that I got just took off. So I'm super practical and I'm like, wait, this can do all of this? Like, what, and she's beautiful? Like, who is she, Who is, is she, how is she doing all this, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so it's this practical, it's this magical, it's this love, it's this mystery, it's this like comforting wildness that i think is speaks to sort of the liminality of both the moon and the witch and magic right
0: yes ah oh, i love that i just want to talk basic fundamentals and then we'll get into some deep juicy stuff you know for someone who is picking up this book and they're kind of flipping through it. I mean, can you just give us like a tiny little walkthrough of like your intention behind the book and what people can expect to find? Because I have to say, Sarah, like this is literally the book that I always wished someone would write. And I'm so grateful that it's you who wrote it because you really are touching upon lunar magic in this very like 360, you use that word holographic a lot, you know, complex multi-dimensional approach and um i just want to make sure people understand like what majesty is packed into this book so can you walk us through it a little bit sure uh this
3: you know this is a result of like over a decade of work you know like this is like my personal work work with clients um work teaching people work reading work researching it's a it's it, it's definitely as a result of a long time period and i think that's really important to say because i don't think that you can really i think complexity takes time you know i think that um, there's no other way around it and i want to just sort of put that out there just in general especially in this age which is so like go 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 take a weekend workshop and then all of a sudden you can like do this thing like magic takes time and our magic is always changing and our Mm -hmm. magic our intuition is always evolving and moving through you know so i just kind of wanted to put that out there for folks listening um i really wanted the book to be i was really trying to envision the book as something that anyone no matter their Familiarity um, could step into. I envisioned it also as sort of a resource book where folks could come back to certain aspects of the work and dig in, or even just I wanted, I was envisioning it to be a book that you could open. This is like, okay, so like I'm a self help book writer, which is rude. It's like really, a, it's really rude to be a self help book writer. Um, <laughs> Well, it's not like, you know, it's like we've got to kind of like figure some stuff out before oh, beforehand, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I wanted it. My favorite self-help books are very similar to, to volumes of poetry. And that is I can pick up a, I can just open a page. And if I just land on something, I'm like, oh, this is like useful. Or, oh, this is reminding me of something I already know. So I wanted the feel of the book to be holographic and I wanted the feel of the book to be a remembering and uh, affirmation uh, and assurance. I definitely wanted to write the book that myself as a 15 year old queer witch, like coming out um, in the middle of nowhere in Hartford, Connecticut, you know, with no witch friends and like no gay friends uh, I wanted that that inner interaction, that intersection. Um, I wanted it to be as I'm like i I'm like going through my laundry list. I wanted to be as <laughs> denominational as possible. Um, meaning anyone, no matter their religious background, their belief system, or the kind of magic they practice can interface with it. You can be a very seasoned witch and there there's something in here for you, or you could just be someone who's into the moon, maybe they're not, maybe they're an atheist, you know what I mean? And they just sort of work with it. So the, the way the moon is, the way the moon book is a bit different from other books is it helps guide the reader through their own process of interacting with each of the phases of the moon and then shows them how they can kind of adapt it within their own practice and then goes on to lay out for them how they can get the kind of results that I've gotten with my own moon magic and and my clients have gotten and my some of folks who've taken my classes have gotten. And I involve stories and an overview. So like this, if you're just into folklore and you wanna learn more about it, it's here. If you really wanna dive deep and, and really create transformation from the inside out, which is what I believe the moon can really help us with, um that's there for you as well sorry i talked for way too long i'm like no
0: that's perfect and i mean what i really appreciated about it is you do have the folklore the mythology you have a lot of science in here like you super nerd out about just like what you know materials the moon is made out of and really taking us through what an eclipse actually is and what a lunation is and all of this which i appreciate And then you do give us very practical tools there are spells tarot pulls journal prompts so people can work with each phase of the moon in a very mindful way and so i love that because you know there are i imagine some people who are going to read this cover to cover and they're going to do every exercise and every ritual that you recommend and then maybe someone else is going to dip in and out and they might think oh the moon is waxing right now and i'm feeling Some type of way, like let me dive into Sarah's book and figure out, you know, why this phase is resonating with me. Um, But I wanna kind of like unpack the notion of, I, I kind of think of this book as slow magic. And you just brought that up a few moments ago, that it's not just like a one and done spell, a set it and forget it spell that you're recommending here. You know, certainly. There are spells that you recommend if, if, you know, if there's a new moon, you might want to do this type of magic, blah, blah, blah. But it seems to me that you're really encouraging us to work through the entire cycle of the moon, which does take time. So can you unpack that a little bit and talk about, like, why somebody might want to do a 28 or 29 day cyclical spell? Yeah,
3: there's so many reasons why. Uh, number one is we, yeah, I, I love slow magic because magic is when you, and you know this Pam and I know all of the other witches and magical practitioners on this chat, on this uh, gathering know this, like you, you open a door and then there's another door. You step into something because you have some kind of intention or you have some kind of goal And then you end up in a bit of a labyrinth of healing in a way or it brings up it becomes this domino effect in your life and you're like oh my gosh now i'm excavating this or now i'm doing this and it's the same i believe in when we step onto an intuitive life like when we trust in our intuition it's not always easy it's not always immediate it is always worth it but it's not just like this quick fix like oh light a candle and like Here we go, you know, sometimes magic is like that. And that's why we get into it. I think a lot of the times, often my experience is, it's it's kind of a, it's a mix of mystery, of surrender, of deeper learning, of deeper trust, of a bit of surprise where you just don't really know what's kind of gonna happen. And you know, slow magic to me also is about like life design. Like how are we designing our lives? Um, And that definitely takes longer than just even one lunation. And I think the, the moon really can help us with this because the way that I suggest we work with it is cycling through both our energy, our intuition, our magic, and our levels and layers of consciousness and our behaviors. So those are all of the different parts that make up an energy field, an essence, a life, you know? Um, and and of course the emotionality of it um, that I talk about as well in the book. So we're really touching upon all of these various aspects of self, all of these various levels and layers of consciousness with which help us create change and transformation. And we're also getting to know ourselves in this very solid way, where we know that our own, regardless of gender, regardless of age, regardless of any identity, we're getting to know our own energetic patterns and then we're able to work with them, not against them. Because we are lunar creatures, we are made up of water, we do have our own patterns, whether that is linked directly to the moon or our hormones or something else or it's seasonal, we have our own patterns and the moon is this guide and this non-linear time clock to our energy, to our emotions, You know, our body keeps the score, our body remembers, our body cycles through. We are in our own cycles that sometimes take weeks, months, years, decades, you know, and I think the moon is this really nice timekeeper for all of that. And when we dig into doing lunar work through an entire phase, through several entire phases, we really start to see change in a remarkable way
0: you have um a quote that you actually read it was from it's from your prologue um but i just want to say it again you write moon work results in the exploration of different paradigms and i feel like what we're <laughs> circling around if you will is like the notion of transcending binaries right that it's not just you know on or off you know, it's not just either or male, female, masculine, feminine. Like the cycle of the moon is so much more nuanced and goes through a lot of different phases. And I mean, literally, right? <laughs> Sorry, I need a little caffeine. We're here all night. We're here all night. Exactly. Um, but I just wanted to, you know, dive in a little bit more to this idea of the moon giving us these different paradigms, different metaphors to live by, and why you think that's important?
3: Yes. I think that we, from a very early age, I think that, well, let me back up. (laughs) From an early age, we are creative. We are in touch with our imagination. We have invisible friends that we talk to. We make fun drawings with crayons, some of us. Um, We explore, we vision, and we imagine. And over time, we start to through any number of societal programmings, familial programmings, various um, systems. They can, but not always, but they can both take us away from who we really are, take us away from possibilities that lie far outside of what we are shown or what we are made to believe we are or what we are made to believe life can even be or life should be. And we sometimes, although not always, but sometimes we become severed from our intuition, our essence and our magic. And part of being on a spiritual path and part of being on a spiritual journey, I believe, is reconnecting to that source, that essence, that imagination that helps us create new worlds far beyond whatever limits uh, we are being told or shown uh, far beyond what is available to us. And we are able to create lives that are much more authentic and much more in alignment with who that imaginative, creative, loving, sweet, smart, um, sensitive, whatever that is, you know, whoever we were. Um, so, you know, for me, this is a metaphor for, creating different paradigms, tapping into different paradigms, whether they are spirits, like whether it's deities or spirits that we talk to, or loved ones who have passed over, um, or just imagining other ways that we can be and other ways that we can live and other ways that we can relate to one another outside of the bounds of capitalism, white supremacy, and all of the limits um, that, you know, cause great harm you know?
0: Absolutely. And it also makes me think a lot about the lie that we tell ourselves and are told that like progress is a straight line and it's supposed to be an ascension all the time, right? We see this lie in, the economy and, and and things that we're taught about it. We certainly see this lie in terms of the way our lives are supposed to look, you know, we're supposed to just be successful and hit every benchmark, every milestone, hop lily pad to lily pad. And of course, we know that growth is never like that. And nature is certainly not like that at all. So I really appreciate how much that shines through in this book. And and I find it such a comforting thought, especially during this time, right? It, when it feels like, I don't know, we're stuck, we're stagnating, we're literally in our homes, like we're not able to just be as productive as we're supposed to be, right? And I feel like the moon really, Reminds me of that because it waxes, it waves, it expands, it contracts. And, you know, I think that's what we're all supposed to do, don't you? I completely agree. And, you know, in the book, I talk about
3: how we not just um, can sync up with the individual lunar phases, but we all go through longer phases. Uh, like, lo- we all experience longer phases of being that are far beyond a lunar phase. So, if, for example, like if you're if you're dealing with grief or loss or sorrow. I just did a class on the dark moon. You might be in a dark moon phase if you feel like you want to destroy everything and just, you know, get rid of everything that you own or just become a completely different person with a different style, doing different things. You might be in a dark moon phase and that doesn't that isn't just for one week or for three days, that could be for a year or two. Or for example, the example I always use, although it's a bit capitalist and toxic, when I was in the first years of building my business, I was more in a waxing moon phase where I was just like, going, 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 working a lot, you know, everything was sort of focused on the external, you know, and then I scaled back and I was in waiting and I, you cut away and we all go through these phases that are much longer and more nebulous. And only we can kind of discern for us where we're at in our lives and like what we need accordingly. And, and I think that it's really unfortunate that we live in a world that so often forces us to be binary or linear or just one way you're on or you're off like there's no or you always have to be on or like you said Pam you always have to be or you are in branding a lot like everyone's a brand now we all have to be like doing the same thing like I can't post a picture of something that's like not you know like my dogs—they're not witchy enough, or like whatever the fuck. Like it's so ridiculous.
0: And I think your dogs are probably pretty witchy. Sarah. Yeah, they're,
3: well, they're—they're they're definitely more solar rather than lunar, but and that's why I love them. But like, I think we have to—we have to deprogram ourselves from this idea that there's only this one way to be, um, because there's not, and this one way that there is to be, and in um, the so-called now, I get political in the so-called uh United States of America is very much in line with abuse, theft, capitalism, like it's not what I certainly want to like compare myself to or be in alignment with. There are so many other ways we're seeing them more and more each day. Um and I think that, you know, this kind of self-work can help us get more in alignment with where we actually are, as opposed to where we think we should be. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, absolutely. Would you say that this year of 2020 has been a dark moon phase? Or, I mean, is it is that an even fair kind of metaphor to use?
3: Yeah, I would say it's waning to dark a lot of grief and by the way like I got into in the book the waning and dark moon phases are some of my favorites I don't I the dark moon is where we dream it's where we the dark moon is when I was born and it's my favorite phase and the gifts of the dark moon are endless so I just want to be really clear that I'm not like villainizing some phase you know like it's similar to a tarot card it's like I pull the sun and I'm like wow but other people are like the sun you're supposed to like everyone <laughs> experience of the archetype and of the energy is very like for example new moons are like the hardest for me and everywhere in like the witching world everyone's like new moon new beginnings like yeah. you know and for me it's like a it's it's a difficult energy for me to work with and I've spoken about this before so anyway yes i would say that we are in a time of figuring out what needs to stay and figuring out what has to go we are in a time period of really, if we choose, uh, we are being forced to look at our shadows and our subconscious, both on a larger level and also like internally, that has been really difficult for people. And also that brings awareness, which then brings hopefully change, you know? Um, We've been asked to, we've really been asked to yeah turn inward and also like think about what we're ending personally and also collectively and there's been a lot of grief and a lot of loss and a lot of sorrow and we've needed to rest even more than normal and there's been heartbreak there and also we're seeing we're seeing like this is also an emperor year we're seeing like the emperor has no clothes like the veil has been pulled back we don't, you know, like we're we're seeing so much truth and we're seeing how many lies there actually are. And we're seeing how so much of our systems are propped up on lies. And and that's not how we want to live anymore. We want to live authentically. You know, we want to live in more supportive structures and more supportive ways. So yeah, how have you thought about this year?
0: I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head and I wish that there, of course, (laughs) that we didn't have to learn the lesson as hard as we've been learning it because the price has been so high. And yet, I also think that this is part of all of us waking up more and becoming more conscious and more appreciative and more interconnected and hopefully more compassionate people so that we can choose to make sure this shit doesn't happen again and that we can build a better, freer, more just world for everybody. Um, you know, I'm I'm very into thinking about books and why they come out when they come out. And I think, you know, I've had a few friends who have, who have had books come out during the pandemic and I'm sure it's weird and I wish we could all be there with you. like you know, toasting you and giving you huge bushels of flowers and the the metaphorical flowers on the literal flowers. Um, And yet, I think a book like this is such a gift during a time like the one we're all living through and um, like a real touchstone. And I just have to ask, what kind of like lunar energy have you been working with to manifest this book i mean sarah today was a solar eclipse like (laughs) nice planning on that one lady (laughs) like were there any other sort of lunar moments or workings that helped you bring this into the world
3: yeah i mean that's it's it's the whole this whole process was super meta you know when i Um, I first got a call from Spirit, or my intuition, to start writing workbooks in 2015, I think. 2016, I don't even, like, I'm old, what is time? (laughs) I started doing them, and I had like no idea, there was no goal, there was no, like, literally, I can't explain it. I just, I mean, it was a call. Like, this is what happens when you listen to Spirit. So I started doing that, not really knowing why I was doing it. I didn't want to be a writer. I'm not interested in being this kind of writer. It just was all this channeled information. Um, And honestly, like it was really magic because the books just started. Like I was all through word of mouth. There was no marketing I mean, there's not there was no planning it just they were just out and like people were like buying them like thousands of people and i was like whoa okay all right spirit like come through i get it like but, yes. I didn't, but i still didn't like get it and then i also did get it because through this process a lot of healing happened for me um a lot of magic happened for me a lot of connection happened for me um and I was like, oh, I'll say the other thing. Sorry. I've said told the story before, so sorry about this, if y'all are hearing this again. Um, Spirit was like, you're going to do it for three years, and then you're going to stop. Like, it's just, you're going to stop it. I was like, okay. So it was like becoming the end of the last workbook. Like, I was like, oh, well, this is ending. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know what I want to do next. What's going on? And you know, all throughout the process of writing Many Moons, all in all, there were six books. I had I had publishers reaching out to me and I had editors, like here and there, I did some book proposals and it all lined up where as I was sending out the last Many Moons workbook, I was signing the contract for this book. So I was like, oh, all right, like, and this is the other thing with magic and intuition and it sounds corny, I know it sounds corny and it sounds like I'm making this up, but like you don't always know the next step. You stepping into intuition, stepping into a call, stepping into messages from spirit where like you tell your mom this and they're like, are you insane? Like why are you doing, you know, people are like idea what I was doing. I didn't really know why I was doing it totally. That wasn't even clear to me when I stepped into it. But then it became clear that, you know, so then I, wrote this book, which is, you know, its own thing. Um, So I, I see it all now, and this is like a really beautiful culmination, you know, because it's like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not gonna write about the moon anymore. All right, you know, like, she's done that, you know, maybe I will, I don't know. I mean, I wanna write more about other things. So I think it's like, what I wanna tell people who are here is that, yes, it is scary, yes, it feels, nerve-wracking when you're in the unknown and also when you're in touch with your intuition and you are walking on a path that is a spiritual path it doesn't always have to make sense we have this like logical and we have to feel it we have to feel it in our heart and it has to feel resonant and we have to feel an alignment with our values and with our belief systems yes but we don't always exactly have to know exactly how it's all gonna play out and it's really interesting because it's like I'm ending this and I'm back I'm back into I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna do like I'm like I don't know I feel good about it like but I'm also like huh the great unknown it's very dark in it actually because it's like oh, I could do this and I could do that or so um yeah it's it was a very meta moon moment and that's sort of what happens when you do this kind of work and I I saw you nodding Pam I'm sure you've had experiences in your own life where you're like On paper, this looks a little bit wacky. It's also like the fool card in a way. It's like, you're like, I'm not, I can't really explain this, but I can't not go in this direction.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I think that's true probably for every human being that there really is not that, you know, straight like path or straight line, straight ladder. Um, That said, I think for those of us who go into just call it spirituality as a vocation (laughs) like there really isn't a map and we really do have to practice what we teach in terms of trusting that the, the path is constantly going to emerge but we don't always see it and you just have to trust and really use those magical tools and skills that you have been sharing with other people so i can't wait to see what you do next but I also really relate to that. Oh my goodness, like I did this, no one's telling me what to do next kind of feeling. So, did you
3: feel like that when you ended the, when you had your book out into the world?
0: Oh, big time. I mean, you know, and I don't want to talk about me too much because. No, but, you know, well, I'm, sure. I'm Like, but, but, oh, absolutely. To- yeah. I mean, I think, you know, because in some ways, there are so many different directions that you can go in especially with many of us who also teach workshops online or you know who are more self-directed um, there's a million things you could do and a million different people are doing it a million different ways so it's hard to know and then certainly you know which is got to eat <laughs> and so you also do have to figure out how can i make sure that i am getting fairly compensated for my skills and my time and the resources that I put into my work. And, you know, that is certainly a factor, at least it is for me as well. Um, and I was-
3: you, since I have you on the line, because <laughs> I know this is going to happen to me. Like I know in January, I'm going to feel like postpartum. So it's like, right. at what ha- Like, did you feel postpartum after you released your book? Because I know your book was also a big culmination for you in a lot of different ways. Like, how did you deal with it? Like, what ended up happening? Like, I'm just curious, like you're on the other side.
0: Yeah, Um, you know, for me, I think I was fortunate in that I was a small enough, I don't mean how I feel about myself, but according to my publisher, a small enough writer, you know, spoiler alert, I'm not Stephen King and so a lot of my own promotional stuff was very much stuff that like, because of my connections, my friends, my you know stores that I have relationships with, because of that, it's not like I went on one book tour that was concentrated. So I was able to do it in drips and drabs, which helped kind of extend it a little bit. Um, and that was actually helpful and helped me from burning out too much, because I would do like a few weeks in this area and then come home and then a few weeks here. But in terms of actually then having all the promo stuff be done, there's definitely a moment of, you know, I think a lot about Pema Children and how she talks about groundlessness. And there's definitely that moment of groundlessness where you say to yourself, like, what is next? And I'm a big fan of that phrase, eyes on paper, meaning like don't compare yourself to other people because I have dear friends who I admire who, in the same time I've had one book out, have had three books out and it's really easy to get caught in that like oh my goodness why aren't i generating more like how do these people churn out so much is anyone even going to care by the time i even get around to writing my next book all those little like demon voices that i've had to be like thank you for sharing <laughs> but you know just trying to trust my own creative process my own lunar process if you will that even when you're not working or you don't know what the next step is, like you are working on it and just, you know, allowing myself to follow whatever I'm curious about and what I love and trusting that it's going to lead me to the next place. But yeah, there are certainly days that I've had anxiety around it for sure. And we should just have a nice juicy phone call about it, Sarah, because there's plenty more to say. And I want to make sure we're talking about you, my friend. Um, But, Let's focus on the celebration of the now. And I see your beautiful face, madam. I promise we will get to questions. I have one more final question for Sarah. And that is, what do you think makes lunar magic radical? (laughs) I can ask you an easier one. (laughs)
3: That's such a good question. Um, Well, the first thing I think of is the word radical, which means just to grasp at the root, to be at the root. And then of course I think about how the moon is so tied to roots. Like I'm not trying to sound cheesy, but like uh, not trying to be too direct, but thinking about how things grow, thinking about the correlation between self, our water, our intuition, our own tides, our own waves, our inhale, our exhale, there's something very radical, meaning there's something like at the root of um, magic, at the root of our beings, that the moon is a metaphor for. Because even if the moon doesn't affect our energy levels or affect our emotions, which I believe, I believe it does, because I've experienced it in many of my friends and students have as well. Even if it doesn't, what we get to experience with the moon as a metaphor is this constant reminder, we're right back at the beginning, Pam, that we can change, that we can grow, that that nothing is forever, that whether it's a beautiful day, a beautiful moment, or a not so great day, we've all been having a lot of those, uh, you know, lately, this year, this you know, lifetime, let's be real. Um, You know, it will change, it will change. And it's, for me, the moon, what is radical about the moon, literally, is that it's a reminder of our presence and our awareness and our life force. And what's radical about it on a other, like on a more metaphoric way is, yeah, it's gender fluid, it's queer, it's mysterious, it's fun you know, it's sexy. Like, you know, she's sexy. You know, we feel sexy under a full moon. Sometimes want to light our candle, you know, hang out like it's, it's just, it's yeah. So that's all I can say about that for now.
0: Fabulous. Fabulous. Well, this book is radical to me and I have told you this before, but I always appreciate how you infuse your magic with your values, with your politics, with your social justice work and advocacy and activism. It's one of the reasons why I admire you. It's one of the reasons why I'm really honored to know you. And it's one of the reasons why I really encourage everybody to read this exquisite book, the moon book, everybody. Um,
2: On that note, I know we have a few questions that have come through. Hit us. hi um we do have a few questions from the audience um the first is from cameron who is wondering how can we as individuals help our communities to embrace their dark moon and how do you think the dark moon phase is related to our patriarchal way of creating culture
3: i'm going to take the first part um I can take the second part too. (laughs) So, the first part is how do we help our communities embrace their dark moon? So, let me just, I'm gonna try to keep this as short as possible. The dark moon is our subversive parts. The dark moon is that which lies outside the bounds of. The dark moon is the part of the moon where it's right behind the sun and we can't see it and we have to trust that it's there. So, the dark moon oftentimes correlates to imagination, correlates to the parts of ourselves we have suppressed or ignored because we've been ashamed or we've been afraid to um, express that aspect of ourselves. And as I've said before, the dark moon also correlates with grief and sorrow. And also the dark moon is this part of the plant when it is bolted, when it's no longer making fruit, but it's growing the seeds of new worlds so you know taking a cue from some of the energies of this phase the energies of this archetype when we are working with our communities and i define community probably different than you do my community are people i know and people i have a relationship with or not it's not just some like yes i feel like i'm part of the queer community because they helped make me who I am and they infused me with the values and they and queer community gave me belonging in a time I didn't have belonging I could say the same for a lot of feminist educators as well Um, and for some witches not a lot I didn't get a lot of community I don't have a lot of community in which in the witching world to be honest with you but so there's that metaphoric community sure but what I think is most important right now as I'm saying this is is who we can interact with and who is open to receiving. And when we're thinking about holding space for people's dark moon, we're talking about holding space for their imagination. We're talking about holding space for parts of themselves that are vulnerable and that feel maybe a little bit fragile around um, showing up in a way that feels authentic to them. It's about, encouraging people in their growth encouraging people in their vulnerability encouraging people in their imaginations and i really want to see us relating to one another through imagination i really want to see us having conversations around what we're dreaming of uh what what these new worlds really feel like and look like and where there are reflections of them you know, out beyond us, you know, because there are tons of people doing this work, doing this dark moon work right now. They've been doing it for a really long time. They've been doing it for hundreds, thousands of years. So, you know, holding more space for complexity, holding more space for mystery, not needing to have to tell someone who they are, um, you know, not trying to explain everything, And just trying to be with people as they grapple in the complexity and the messiness that is required for us to build new worlds and to recreate ourselves in more authentic ways. So that's kind of the first part. Pam, I will. That's like a mic
0: drop. And the next question
2: Sarah, did you have a different experience writing the moon book compared to many moons, workbooks, and the lunar planners? I really did. Yeah, the workbooks and the planners, I I would, I would channel.
3: So it's a different process. The moon book, I was like, I'm going to write this book, meaning like I'm not going to call upon spirit. I'm going to, like, I need to know I can write a book. Like, and I know that sounds really weird, but when you're channeling, You just get all this stuff, you get the thesis, you get the concept. Sometimes they tell you exactly what you're supposed to write down. Um, and it's just a different process. And I really wanted this to feel like I could walk away from this project, knowing that like I could write a book. And yes, I wrote 10, nine books before this, but a lot of it was heavily aided by spirit. And so I it was a different it's a different kind of and yeah, so. I wanted so because of that. It was very difficult. Instead of writing, like I would write a book in three months. Instead of doing that, I this took like a year and some change of writing, and then like six months of editing. So I found out that I am a slow writer, and it is a fraught experience for me to write. It is not like la la la. I'm like I'm like it. I, when I really sat down, it I'm not a, I'm not one of those writers. I've heard writers say, like, writing is my happy place. I'm like, that is not the kind of writer I am, I'm when I'm a writer, I suppose. So, um, yeah, it was very different. It was, in, it would, could not have been more different, honestly.
2: Thank you. A uh, year actually seems really fast. I don't know. Well, I, in
3: 10 years of my life, like, learning this stuff. Yeah. 10 years and a year 11 years like that's kind
0: of a lot yeah that's just it people often say that your first book especially if it's the book that you like put lots of what you've been working on for most of your life it's wonderful it's kind of high pressure because you're like distilling all this stuff down but on the other hand it's really wonderful because you have so much experience and so much information. You've been working on this book for 10 years. I mean, you really have mm-hmm. Sarah, if you think about it that way. So, and I remember you saying, didn't you write like 500 pages or something and you had to like distill it down even more and That is such a process, too, the whole like kill your darlings moment where you're like, how am I going to cut that? But you just have to to make it the lean, mean beauty that it needs to be, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, Our last question is from Christine. Um, And she is wondering, there are so many metaphors associated with the moon. I wonder if you came across or have any favorite moon myths or folklore in your work or just in your life?
3: Wow. Yeah, there are so many, so many myths, so many stories. And honestly, right now, not one is coming to my mind. I have reached a blank. There are some in my book, for sure. I did a lot of research around myths myths and deities. It was incredibly interesting to see how globally um, the metaphors of the moon come up, whether that be a brother and a sister, a mother and a father, uh, a space where a woman weaver goes, uh, a spider a hare, a rabbit, you know, I could be here all day, a frog, like, there are many, many, many myths um, of the moon. Uh, Some of them are about um, so, so much, I mean, really, what it is, too, is like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of metaphors of travel, there's a lot of metaphors of death, life, rebirth, there's a lot of creative metaphors, and there's a lot of metaphors around compassion and cycles. So I can't, I, I'm like drawing a blank here. It's, in, there's a bunch in the book that I cover. Um, yeah.
0: Sarah, if I could jump in, I love how much you talk about, and we talked a little about this before, but how much you talk about the moon, not only as feminine moon goddesses are not the only lunar deities, there are also moon gods. And, and that really meant a lot to me to read, so um you know and i know getting back to transcending the binary like how important that is for you and and i'm so happy that you didn't just talk about the moon and you know goddesses and i love goddesses but you know the moon is I, for I, everybody <laughs> i can't get enough and also the moon like
3: is for everybody no matter how you identify there are there are moon deities that are masculine there are moon deities that are feminine. Um, you know, my humble opinion is that we all could use a bit more exploration of different genders in our own lives, regardless of what we identify as today. You know, so and I think the moon is this um, is a symbol of that.
0: Gorgeous. Well, Sarah, I can't congratulate you enough. This really, truly is a masterpiece. Um, I wanna thank everyone for those great questions. Thank you to Skylight Books. Love Skylight Books. Buy your books from Skylight. We need our indie bookstores to thrive, please. And Sarah, thank you so much for inviting me to do this with you. Congratulations, many, many blessings.
3: Yes, everyone. And thank you everyone for being here. And um, yeah, just stay in touch and thank you and i love you and i appreciate you and have a beautiful new moon solar tips
2: and yeah huge congratulations sarah um and thank you everyone for being here we appreciate you so much we appreciate both of you for the amazing conversation and reading. Um, I know there would be a standing ovation right now if we were in person, which we will be one day soon. Um, So yes, Uh, any final thoughts before we say goodnight or?
3: Until we meet again, thanks everyone. I'm sending you all so much love and so much thanks. And yeah.
0: Thank
1: you. Bye. Good night.
0: Everyone, good night.
1: Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon. I see.